Are you a sex worker looking to build a new website or a website redesign? Then you'll want to consider Fox Digital. They did a fantastic job designing my website, Stripped by Sia. If you want your website done, mention that you're a listener of the show at foxdigital.design for 20% off. Tell them I sent you. Welcome back to another episode of Stripped by Sia, your podcast for strippers, sex workers, and all the fancy naked people in between. My name is Steph Sia, aka the host of the show, aka the producer of the show, aka the editor of the show. I just, I'm a one woman show (laughs) that I've been doing for the past few years. Um, Welcome to the show if it's your first time listening here. Um, A little bit about me, Um, I am a digital content creator, I am also a dancer based in Canada and a former sugar baby and I started this show back in 2019 to really help illustrate the real lives of sex workers because so often our stories are just misconstrued, misunderstood, misinterpreted in the mainstream media and society and of course so many people have their own assumptions about what exactly we do and how we conduct ourselves um so this this show is just to provide a really transparent approach to our lovely lives that are actually pretty normal (laughs) because we're just normal human beings but um yeah just trying to strip off the glamorization strip off the sensationalization and really just have a down-to-earth conversation with some of your favorite creators um, adult stars cam models people behind the scenes nonprofit organizations other allies and stuff too so um yeah just to really paint a really accurate depiction of what sex work actually is so i bring on a different guest uh every single week on the show from different corners of the industry um and this week is no different but before i go and tell you who it is and i mean if you're listening you'll you'll, you'll already see it on the title um we just have to go through a couple things um uh, feel free to fast forward five minutes if you don't want to hear the spiel about uh, my patreon <laughs> Um, Patreon, I started that last year um, because I had a lot of people asking, how do we support the show? You've been doing really great um, and in providing all these free resources for people and and making it really accessible to find information, especially for people that are, you know, clients who are wanting to find out more about, you know, how to be a better client. We have lots of people that are wanting to enter the industry for whatever reason it is. So I do this show for free every single week. So, um, Patreon subscribers do get um, a sneak peek on who I'm bringing on to the show. They gain access to exclusive video content, including today's lovely um, person who's joining me today, which I will soon announce. Um, And also, yeah, bonus episodes and whatnot. So um, patreon.com slash slash stripped by Sia is where you can go ahead and financially support the show. And to be really transparent, that money is actually just helping fund the website. Um, basically strippedbysia.com where you can find all the episodes um, you can pitch yourself to be on the show etc and upcoming events and whatnot so go check it out strippedbysia.com and for those who are on the um, subscription platform uh, I just want to say a quick shout out and hello to those who are on the top tier of the <clears throat> subscription so 
because you get like a fan recognition shout out on the show. So just wanted to say snoo- uh, say hello, hello to Snoo Snoo. We have Arup Sarkar, Jay Sunsern. We've got Justin Erickson, Ted McGuire, Marty Lang, and Trey Lanty. We have a lot of you coming in from different parts of the world, but mainly here in BC. We've got people in um, the USA as well, some people from Germany and other locations that I don't know of. But thank you so much for sh- supporting the show. Um, I know some of you definitely have been here since day one so thank you thank you thank you i appreciate you keep doing what you're doing and yes your money's going to that website so thank you (laughs) um speaking of other websites um i'm also on an adult network called skyhawkafterdarktv.com that's all about um actually similarly related tv shows and that's sorry not tv shows video casts as well as podcasts that also center around the adult industry so shows similar like this other um you know interview based shows as well you can go check it out it's skyhawkafterdarktv.com and last but not least the website i've been talking about a lot stripbyc.com was actually made by a friend of mine and our sponsor here uh, for Strip by CS. So um, be sure to peep uh, Fox Digital, which makes um, websites for sex workers and other allies as well. And for listeners of the show, you get 20% off. So feel free to reach out to Anthony, tell him I sent you, um, and you will get 20% off. Go reach out. It's foxdigital.design. Okay, under five minutes. Here we go. So um, if you're just tuning in now and you've fast forwarded through all the things, um, I just wanted to introduce our lovely guest for today. I'm really excited to have this conversation with adult star Sophia Locke, who will be joining me on the show today to speak about, you know, leaving the industry, having a hiatus, uh, dealing with relationships and and people who are not supportive of of your profession, basically, and how to build a comeback, um, literally and figuratively, <laughs> because it's it's really hard in this industry too when you take a break. Um, and you know, not all of us are able to take breaks and stuff as well. But you will be able to hear Sophia's story in terms of like why she left the industry and why she's back. So enough of me talking. Sophia Locke, are you there? I am. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Very excited to have you on the show. If if people are not familiar with Sophia, um, very, very big cam model back in the day and also now a huge, huge adult star. Um, if you're into like MILF-related content, stepmom content and stuff like that, you will enjoy that. You will probably have seen her in a lot of these videos. But um, this is just what I found out from you online <laughs> doing my little bits of research. Yep, there's some stuff. There's some stuff. Um, and also I think wrestling as well. I think it's what I saw online too, but maybe I, I don't know. I did, I did a bunch of research and <laughs> have all my notes here, but instead of me defining who you are, Sophia, can you tell the audience who you are in your own words and terms? Sure. Um, I mean, all of that was correct and very sweet. Um, I did do cam modeling for a long time for about seven years and it was, something I loved, loved, loved doing. Um, And uh, I did some 
pro video work, which I also enjoyed mostly for kink.com. And then after uh, what I thought was retiring, um, I came back in and all of the roles that I was cast or have been cast for have been in the MILF genre based on my age because I'm 37 and I have big tits now. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that's basically what they what they put me into, which is great because I actually really enjoy it. Um, so I, I consider, if people ask me what I do, I say adult film, um, considering I don't really cam anymore. And um, I split my my time and energy between OnlyFans and professional video work. Mm-hmm. Great. I mean, yeah, I always want to give the opportunity for all the guests to, you know, speak in their own voice um, and, and and define themselves too, because I'm just like, I only know what I found on the internet. So <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty on the internet, but there is more to me for sure. And I've, I've done at least this time around in the industry, I've done my best to find ways to, to be as authentic as possible and to kind of speak in my own, my own voice. Um, I, I got started on TikTok, which I resisted for a really long time because I wasn't sure how to do that. Um, <laughs> but I use that platform because you can't post any explicit material. I use that platform to try and educate and humanize the industry as well. So um, it is nice to kind of do every little thing where you can see me be really slutty, but authentically slutty, or you can see me just um, talk about the industry, talk about myself, kind of see my daily life on OnlyFans. Um, there's a lot of ways to, to see me, I guess. Oh my gosh, you're gonna have to follow you on TikTok too. I love that. I would like, love that. Doing. Yeah, I, I love yeah. any kind of like space where you can educate people especially if you have a platform i think that's so empowering and and and, um and really great and accessible to um just because again like it's it's really important for us to have a voice as mentioned earlier just a lot of um our voices get erased um being in the adult space and people only see us as like some kind of fuck doll or something, some kind of sex doll, you know what I mean? It's just like... I would like them seeing us that way. I'm fine with that. But then I would also like people to know just behind the scenes a little bit so it isn't pure objectification, right? Yeah, which I think is also important as well. But um, I would love uh, for you to tell the audience in terms of like your story and in, in how you got started in camming or like if there's anything before that to whatever, wherever you want to start. How'd you get started? Sure. Um, well, I've always been really hypersexual. I always had crushes. I, I remember getting in trouble um, as a kid for running around the playground trying to kiss a boy. And then I lied about it <laughs> because I didn't want to get in trouble. Um, but I've just been boy crazy and a little girl crazy for most of my adolescence and then I guess the rest of my life. So I didn't I didn't do super well in school. I did okay. Um, but I had crushes in every class. I would plan my route to go walk and get lunch based on who I could kind of eye fuck on the way in high school. I mean, it was just <laughs> kind of upset. I think I might have high testosterone. I don't know what it is, but... Um, so I, I mean, it's really the correct industry to be in. And then in my early twenties, I, I discovered BDSM and kink and, and got into that pretty heavily in my personal life. Um, and then uh, when I was 25, I saw a pop-up ad for a, a campsite and it said that this woman is live and chatting right now. And it was this beautiful, I think Eastern European woman. And I, and I thought there's no way that she's actually live. This has to be bullshit. Right. <laughs> um, so I clicked on it. Um, and she was actually live. She was actually talking to people. And I thought, well, wouldn't this be fun to be on kind of a kinky website, express this BDSM part of myself while I'm working in hotels during the day, right? 
um, and maybe make a little money. Maybe I'll wear a mask so no one knows who I am. Um, that lasted all of three seconds because, you know, it's harder to to make any money in the space when you're an anonymous. Yes. Um, you can, but it's tough, obviously. Um, and so I started doing that and it just, it, I was, you know, making like 200 in a day almost immediately. Mm -hmm. And so, um, from that point, I, I decided that was way more fun than the hospitality industry. And it just took off from there for about seven years. I did webcam, um, work and, like hosted events for that space. And it was really just where I built my community and I credit it to um, anyone remembering me coming back after five years was because I spent so much time in that space and with those people who followed me almost the whole way through. And I'm just really grateful for them. Wow. That's an incredible journey. And um, I, I actually like love that you got started professionally in, <clears throat> in camming at the age of 25 um, cause like some people see like, oh my gosh, it's such like a late entry mm -hmm. into sex work. And I, it's really refreshing to hear that too, because like I share similar similarities with that as well. And also with like the luxury hospitality background <laughs> also share similarities. Okay. Yeah, I do. Oh, I wow. yeah. A luxury hotel, like, um, online travel agency, but anyways, that's years ago now. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. But like really curious, like about, um, talking about age and like talking about entry into sex work um, at, at specific ages, was there any specific reason that you joined at that age or had you done research before too? Cause it just sounds like, okay, you just, it was a pop-up and you just like were curious about it and just clicked on it and just kind of went and rolled with it for the next seven years. I mean, I, if you had told me a, a year prior or any time before that, that I would be involved in sex work, I, I would have thought you were crazy. Um, the way that I grew up um, was sort of religious, not strictly religious, but I grew up Catholic. And and I remember um, little comments from, from my mom, even though she did tell me once that masturbation was totally healthy and normal, which I appreciate. I remember her saying, you know, that, oh, the, the women who work at Hooters, that's so degrading to them. Mm -hmm. So I had this... I had um, this view of sex workers, particularly porn, um, porn workers uh, in my mind, there was the, the social stigma as well as kind of these little, little nuggets from my, from my mom, where I just assumed they were all victims or, or uh, vapid or, um, you know, just that they didn't really have agency over their own lives. Mm -hmm. And so when I got into or decided to get into camming, it felt like a very different thing than, you know, porn star or something like that. That all felt um, too big and public and, you know, my family would never be okay with that. And I don't know if, and I didn't know at the time if I wanted that, um, that label, mm -hmm. you know, as someone who does that because of how much my family um, values intelligence and values um, like kind of social capital when it comes to, you know, how you present yourself. Um, and of course I have completely changed my views on this, <laughs> especially after doing it and after meeting so many incredible people, especially women who do sex work. Um, and so it's, it's kind of now become my goal to, to change and shift that stigma in whatever small way I can so that people who have that little voice in their ear of, you know, these, these people aren't worthy or they aren't intelligent or they don't have agency over their own lives. I would like, you know, that to shift a little bit. Anything I can do to, to, to help with that is kind of what I'd like my legacy to be. Wow. Amazing. I mean, with, with families, 
It's so tricky because, I mean, and this is not just related to sex work, but what our families and our parents instill in us, like that really sticks with you. Um, Like myself included as well. Like I also grew up in a Catholic, Roman Catholic household and, and, you know, my mom especially very like conservative and and has made these comments similar to what you have also had and experienced too but those kind of things they become ingrained into you and then that affects the way uh it shapes your perspective on certain people certain marginalized groups including sex workers so it's it's so negative um so i'm really glad that you're really kind of trying to change the narrative on that because it's it's like a domino effect almost just yeah and i and i do like that it's at least like less stigmatized now i believe especially with only fans but all, i i realized i didn't even like touch on the other age stuff that you asked oh yeah let's i will it. say <laughs> yeah i know i went on some ramble which i do um i I am glad that I got in at 25. I will say that um, I felt like I, especially starting in camming and then only doing the bookings that I really wanted to do once I decided I was ready to do professional like video porn too. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, especially as I've done more, more work um, on the studio side of things, if I had started at 18, it's, it's hard for me to imagine how that would have shaped my views of sex and connection and and how I and how I view sex and how I view jobs in general too because I'm really grateful that I worked you know normal everyday jobs for kind of a low hourly wage <laughs> before I got into this because I do have a real appreciation for the amount of money that you could make for um versus kind of how much work you're doing yeah <laughs> um and so it it I'm curious about, you know, I like that it's, that there's less of a stigma, but I do wonder sometimes with some of the the girls who get in younger, Mm -hmm. like just at 18 or some of, I mean, I've been some girls, very first girl, girl experiences, and it was on camera, you know, for a professional company, for a director that was going to be distributed to, you know, thousands or tens or hundreds of thousands of people. Um, And I just... I don't know if that's good or bad. I'm just saying it's very different from how I kind of grew up experiencing sexuality and doing that kind of on my own and it, having it not be performative until I was older. Yeah, that's what I was really hoping that you would speak about because um, <laughs> like like you, I also had late entry into sex work. I was 24. This was like, yeah, this is 10 years ago. And I was, I got into sugaring and I had a very different understanding. Like that to me wasn't sex work. I was like, no, I am a paid companion. Either a separation between the two. Obviously my views have changed. Um, Obviously like with this show and everything, like, and me growing up uh, <laughs> and maturing, I was able to like see like, okay, no, this is like real work. Um, But yeah, I'm always like concerned um about yes really young folks getting into the industry like right at 18 and not understanding the value of money not understanding um the risk and the long-term effects that you know getting right into this kind of work can potentially have on the rest of your life and and how you view um certain partners and and people and yeah it, it like and I'm only speaking from my personal experience but it's like 
I cannot imagine myself at 18 getting into an industry like this. I feel like my whole view would be very skewed on a number of topics. So, yeah. And I, and I do feel like um, coming back into the industry after five years out, a lot of the people that were in the entire time that I was out, you know, like, and they're, they're now 10 to 12 year veterans, they're pretty burnt out or some of them are, you know? Um, and so it's like starting really early and especially doing, you know, the, the video work where, where, um, it's just not like real sex. I mean, some of it is, but a lot of it is like, okay, you need to be in this position for this many minutes. And then, you know, you're saying goodbye and you might not see this person again. You know, it's just, it's such a bizarre world that isn't really, it's not real sex. And it can be a real connection. It can be really fun. And it is actually like the act of sex, of course. And it's, um, but I, I remember I did, I think, 11 shoots in a row one time. And by the end of it, I was I just wanted my sexuality to be for me for yeah. a minute, because even though even though I don't I don't consider what I do like acting during sex, like I'm really enjoying it. But I am thinking about a lot. I'm thinking about what my face looks like. I'm thinking about opening up to the camera. I'm thinking about what the guy looks like and what this part of me looks like and you know how it'll come across while I'm enjoying the sex. Um, you do feel on, you feel like you're performing. Um, So there's something really special about not having a camera there. There's something really special about not even performing for a partner Mm -hmm. in your personal life, just having your sexuality be for yourself. And when we commodify it in this way, it's wonderful and it's really fun. And I, my exhibitionism loves all of it, but I think it's so important to remember that it, that it's yours first and foremost. Yeah, I feel like sometimes I, that might get lost for not just for people starting out, but just for a lot of us. And and you spoke on on, on a burnout, which is such a real thing that like it, it's it's tough when that happens. But also we're human, <laughs> right? And everyone wants a piece of you, right? Like yeah. it's everyone wants you know you to talk to them or for you to create content for them or to have that part of your sexuality have a little piece of it for them. And over time. It does get tough, I think. Yeah, it's just constantly just <laughs> getting like chipped away <laughs> here and there. But um, sorry, we we totally went off on a tangent. But I, it's okay. I love tangents. Tangents are also always welcomed here. <laughs> but let's, <laughs> let's get back to your timeline too. So okay, fast forward. So I guess it's like 2016 now. You've been doing camming for about seven years now. You're in top of your game. And then what happens at this point? Because I I know that you had left the industry. I think it was due to an ex-husband uh, or relationship that you were previously in. But I, I'd love for you if you feel open to open up about that and share if you'd like. Sure. Yeah. I had done camming for seven years and then the last year and a half of my camming, I had also started to do like um, professional shoots as well. So like kink and browsers and stuff. And so um, I was really just enjoying life. I had moved from Vegas to the Seattle area because a a relationship that I had been in, my partner and I had, you know, done this business together. Um, And then the relationship didn't work out. So I was very single. Um, I decided to move to the Pacific Northwest just for fun. I had a friend who lived up there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in Vancouver, Canada. So I'm like, it was too gloomy after six years, but I did. It is really pretty up there. Very Um, gloomy for most of the year though. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's tough. It was too tough after a while. Um, but but I was excited for the adventure, and I had you know, this, like this apartment right next to the Space Needle. And I just was camming and working and going out with friends. Um, and then I met somebody and I, and I, I got sober from alcohol. I don't drink anymore. Um, which was a good, it, it was good that he was the catalyst for that, for sure, that I knew I'd lose that relationship if I kept drinking and partying and doing all of that. So that was great. Um, and of course, when someone meets you, they love what you do and they think yeah. it's, fun and exciting and you know everyone wants you but they have you right so it feels really special um i to his credit he never asked me to quit and he was very like involved at first of like he helped make paddles for like my cam shows that we sold and they all they all knew about him in my cam room and stuff um but pretty quickly it was you know well if you're working with men then i should be able to have sex too oh, you know okay. um and so I, it's really hard to explain especially to men the difference between work sex and I didn't choose this partner and I'm just here for the day and leaving and I'm not super connected, but it is, it's fun, but it's work. Um, and I just want to like fuck some girls off Tinder for fun. Like the, yeah. there's just no comparing it, but it's really hard to not see it as a fairness issue. I've dealt with that now in a couple of relationships. Mm -hmm. So I, so I, uh, stopped doing boy girl and then I just could sense his discomfort and I desperately wanted to him to be all in. And so I did less and less and less and less, like less sexual things on cam. And I just wasn't making as much money. And eventually I convinced myself that it made, that it made sense to quit, that it made sense to retire. Um, because I wanted longevity. I wanted something that didn't rely on my body. Mm -hmm. um, and so I got into real estate and I retired. I did like an official retirement announcement. I thought I was completely done with the industry wow. for five years. Wow. Holy crap. Okay. There is so much there. I'm like, where can I even start? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. So let's first talk about that separation between work and, you know, wanting to fuck other people. There's a big difference between that kind of stuff. And, you know, this is a conversation that can be, you know, honestly pretty common when you um, start to date someone new uh, or maybe you've already been in the relationship for like a long time. And, how do you navigate that kind of conversation? How I hate having to use the word convince, but like, how do you get that person, whoever it might be your partner, whoever to understand that this is work? <laughs> I don't, I don't think you can unless they've done it. And, and it really, it's, and I think it's really hard for, for men and even men in the industry to understand as much because, um, I don't know, like most of, like most of the girls coming in are like, you know, these like little hot girls and stuff too. Um, <laughs> and so even when you're working, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, it's, it's a tough job for men for sure. Like, yeah. especially on set and, and not a lot of guys can do it. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I think it's just really difficult for, for guys to understand that these men that are doing the job are thinking about their penises working They're, you know, they're, <laughs> yes. none of us are like really picking our partners or anything like that either. So, um, some days are super easy. Some days are harder, but none of it is the same as just you and one other person that you're strongly attracted to having sex with no cameras around, you know, it's even different than a collab, right? Because okay. you're picking your partners there yeah. and there isn't a whole crew. <laughs> yeah. That's a huge so. difference for sure. 
I mean, during this time when you were starting to, you know, minimize the amount of sexual work that you're doing and, you know, you've, you stopped doing boy girl, you started maybe, I don't know, maybe doing girl girl or like solo content and stuff and minimizing, were your fans questioning what was happening? Did they ever ask you what was going on? Did it ever get that personal with them? Um, not really. I think I was pretty quiet about all of that. And I was doing really fun shows. They just weren't as sexual. I did blend shows where people could pick different ingredients, food ingredients that did not work together at all. I put them in a blender and then it was like, I would try it and, uh, and rate it and try not to throw up. And it was like, I mean, it was, it was very bizarre, um, really fun, weird cam shows, you know, and I'd get naked and do spankings and stuff, but I didn't do as much, you know, orgasming or anything like that. Um, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if anyone knew that that was the situation because I was always really open about being in relationships throughout my camming. Um, and, uh, and I was, I was deeply in love. I was really happy with the person that I was with. So I didn't see it as this huge sacrifice at the time. Yeah. I mean, like, can you take us back to like what you were feeling at the time? Cause like for me, I don't know like how I'm listening to it was there maybe some kind of like identity crisis at this point or like, you know, a shift or transition? Maybe I'm not using the right words, but how can you tell us like how can you describe like maybe how you were feeling at this time, the emotions that were kind of going through your head, if you can remember? Sure. I, I think when I really started feeling that identity shift was when I retired. Right. And so I, I got into real estate, which was fine and it went really well, um, but it's such a different world than the sex worker world. They really nice people, but they weren't my people. Like a lot of very religious people up there in the Pacific Northwest and um, everyone was very kind, um, but I felt like I had to be very buttoned up. I wasn't sure what was appropriate or what, you know, kind of what was okay. Um, but I didn't notice until I got back in how much I had dimmed over time. Um, and I didn't have any purpose. I just was happy to kind of follow this guy around, um, wherever he went and just, and, and do this kind of day-to-day -day real estate job. But I didn't, I, I couldn't fully be myself around people. And I think that was the biggest thing where I was hiding a part of my identity and not that I'm just a sex worker or that's the only thing I identify myself as, but it is an integral part of my personality is, being open and non-judgmental sexually. And I didn't feel like I could be that way. Yeah, that's that's really hard, especially when you start realizing that. Like, I can only imagine that being such a heartbreaking light bulb-y type moment. Um, and going back to what you were saying about, like, you know, um, identity and, and sex work being a huge part of our identity. And like what I said earlier, like, we're not just, you know, these sex dolls and stuff. Like, And that's great. Like, that is you know, who our personas are maybe online. Um, but a lot of us can be, a lot of our sex worker, at least for me, some of my sex worker personality can really come through with my like normal day-to-day -day civilian sweatpants wearing personality as well. So yeah. I would love for you to maybe tell us a little bit about like, uh, I guess like your identity in terms of, when you when you found that it was splitting apart, how were you coping with that? Um, so I didn't feel it really strongly. 
until I got back in. And I didn't realize it, you know, in hindsight, I recognized how, how, you know, I wasn't fully bright. I wasn't fully myself, but at the time it felt fine. It was just weird, you know, that I, mm-hmm. that I, you know, I couldn't joke about cock with, you know, the real estate professionals in the office. I don't think, I didn't know, I didn't know what was appropriate. Um, I will say that there was a part of it that was refreshing because I felt like I could lead with my intelligence and not necessarily my sexuality. So that was a little bit refreshing and to only share that with one person. Um, we ended up dating women for a long time together um, throughout that. So I did end up sharing it with women too, but just one man felt special a little bit for a while. Um, but then looking back on it, when I got back in, I missed the exhibitionism. I missed everybody seeing me because, yeah. you know, you touched on having a persona, but I don't really have one. I've, I've always just, it's me, like maybe sometimes a little bit heightened, um, but this is genuinely how I feel about everything. And if you want to come along for the ride and, and pay to watch it, like, cool. Like that's kind of been my sex work yeah, <laughs> identity. Um, so it was always me, um, but then it was just channeled and funneled into one person. I love that. I love hearing about that too. Cause then I, I always hear this like split about people like really separating um, who they are, maybe online, who they are on set and then having not a completely different personality when you're just like at home or whatever, but like, it's really cool to hear that blending together. That is really like, this is really Sophia. It's really you. So it's really yeah. cool to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that's like what I was saying, just growing up and being hypersexual and just loving the concept of being really slutty. And the only thing holding me back was society. Mm-hmm. The idea that I can do that now in a really safe, tested, professional environment and I can, you know, I think this month, I think I only had four days off and I I think that's like 17 to 20 people that I've slept with this month, which is crazy and so hot and everyone's tested and, and pretty much almost all of it's recorded so that people can watch it. Like it's, I'm living my absolute best life. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. I mean, going back to the relationship and I guess maybe at what point did you start realizing, okay, maybe this is not working out and I'm being held back? Um, how did never, you, never. Oh, okay, okay. Never. It wasn't up to me. Mm. So what happened was we were dating women together, but it was always casual. I, I'm not poly. I have no interest in being polyamorous. Um, but we would casually date women together. It was kind of my outlet to be crazy, right? Because I, I didn't have drinking anymore. I didn't have porn. So we had like a BDSM room and Ooh. we would date women together. And it was this really fun, casual thing with very strong boundaries and good communication. It was very healthy. And a couple of the women I'm still really good friends with because I just met awesome people doing this, that we were just this kind of fun couple and we did it as a team awesome. with the understanding that it was casual. Right. And, and if something kind of things ebbed and flowed and, and we ended up with a lot of different, really amazing women over like the last three of the five years we were together, um, the problem came around when one of them, uh, was really into both of us, which was fine. She was stunning. Um, and he caught feelings. Oh, it is something that can happen. Totally understandable. I felt it. And he, I don't think really accepted that that's what was happening. And so for a couple of months, I like would have panic attacks. I didn't, it was like the actions weren't matching the words 
you know, or like what I was feeling wasn't matching his like, no, 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 it's casual. It's fine. She likes you too. What's the problem? He just desperately wanted more time with this person. Um, and it was never sneaky. There was never any betrayal, but, uh, at a certain point I, I said, you know, this is too much. I'm really uncomfortable. I'm not liking this. And he said, I actually want more. I want more time with this person. Mm. And so I said, it sounds like feelings and he confirmed it. And I said, that's not what I signed up for. That's not what our agreement was. We have a really good relationship. Um, but if you'd like to pursue this, then I need to step out. Or you cannot pursue that and we can work on this together and kind of figure out what happened and, and get stronger. And I gave him like 24 hours and he said that he would regret it if he didn't try with her. So I asked him to move out and then I was single and um, felt horribly betrayed. It was a really, really tough time for me. And they tried to make a relationship work. Um, and I, uh, I thought about, well, I miss sex work. I don't know if anyone would remember me, but I miss the community, especially of women. I miss the exhibitionism. I, I miss all of it, but I might be too old and I don't know, but I just gotten new boobs completely <laughs> separate from sex work at all. So, and they're like a revenge body just by accident, you know, <laughs> I just like happened to be in shape when it all happened. Amazing. Um, so I, I thought, you know what, if I had, if I could do anything with my life, this is what I'd like to do again. And maybe just supplemental income, maybe on the side with real estate. And so I dipped my toe back in and it just, what, like I'm almost emotional talking about it because it was such a good decision and it, I became myself again mm -hmm. and, and I was accepted by everyone and people remembered me and sent me the nicest messages about how I had touched their lives way back when and how wow. much they missed me, even like, like cam fans and things like that. And it's, it's been this incredible ride and this, and this event that was so devastating to me where I had put all of my, all of my eggs in one basket with this guy. I'm so grateful that it didn't work out, which it took forever to feel that way. But now I'm, I'm happier than I've ever been. And I feel like I have purpose again. Oh my gosh. This is so beautiful to hear that. And I can definitely hear your emotion when you speak about this too. I mean, first of all, it's, it's not easy getting out of any relationship or when one relationship ends. Right. And to me, it sounds like you had really, you know, strong boundaries. You were able to really communicate effectively, which is really a great sign of any relationship. Um, but, um, I think everyone, everything happens for a reason. And, and now you're back in the industry full swing, which is awesome. Um, I wanted to touch on some points that you mentioned about, you know, uh, some really valid feelings in terms of like, are my fans even going to remember me? Do I even yeah. still have fans? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you speak about that? And, you know, that, that really internal fear, really real fear, actually. Sure. And, and I, it, I felt like my, my risk was pretty low. So if I just kind of came back in, I made a quick, like kind of, Hey, I'm back video, put it on Twitter. I had one of my best friends, Abby road. Um, she, she helped me figure out what OnlyFans, how it like all worked out because that had all happened while I was, while I was out of the industry. Yeah. Um, and so I, I figured I would just kind of quietly step back in. And if people didn't remember me, then it wouldn't be too embarrassing. <laughs> you know, I could just step right back out and just stay in real estate. Like, um, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. You don't need to see my vagina. It's, it's fine. Um, and so uh, it was this, I, I posted the video and it was this outpouring of 
of love and people remembering me in such a way that it wasn't, I've never branded myself as like sex robot that like, you know, that only talks about sex. So um, I think having that authentic brand for so many years made it so that, um, that people that I had made a connection with people with with models with fans with everything and so it was um such a beautiful thing to be remembered and to be welcomed back with such open arms um yeah I I, I was completely overwhelmed and I'm, I'm still grateful every day that like I, I got a second shot at this career that I didn't think I, I would have I love to hear that that's that's so awesome and just like so welcoming and like that's one great thing I just like love about the industry is just like we're always just like here to support and be like hey cool you took a break that's cool welcome back come back in yeah because I think we should we we experience so much judgment and shame mm-hmm. outside of the industry that it's such like a warm you know welcoming non-judgmental space when you're in it totally that's that's so freaking cool I, I'm so I'm so happy for you that's like this um you also mentioned something too about like um I mean you commented a couple times too about age too like Mm -hmm. and thinking about like okay am I going to be too old like let's talk about that for a second here um age and 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 the adult industry um and of course like as you came back it was almost like you were rebranded as a MILF that's what the category that they put you into um how do you feel about um, people aging, or and I say this in quotes, aging out in the industry? Well, I thought it was a thing, and it just isn't. And I don't know if that's because of the demand for that MILF category mm-hmm. um, or, or older, too, because that's kind of blown up or maybe was always there, and I just didn't know because I wasn't in that category yet. Um, it Or because of um, direct-to-consumer uh, content like OnlyFans, you now have a market that isn't dictated by what a company feels is <laughs> marketable. You know, um, I don't know why, but it's fantastic. I don't, I mean, you'll have to drag me kicking and screaming, doing grandma porn out of this industry again. Like I'm just not leaving until people don't want to pay me anymore. Um, <laughs> and what I've heard on set uh, from directors is that there's such a demand for women of my age, which I, I'm 37, I think I mentioned, but like women around this age to do the MILF stuff because you have new kind of 18 year olds coming in all the time or people who are, you know, of that generation where it's not as shameful to be a part of this. And they're, you know, tight bodied and excited and you know what I mean? And, and, and there isn't as much of, you know, they already have an OnlyFans, so why not just do this other thing for more exposure to feed into your OnlyFans, right? Totally. Um, they'll do that studio work but when it comes to uh older women they either um they started in the industry and they aged into it uh, but maybe they got married and had kids and left or and don't want to come back um or um uh, or they just quit they retired right so so i guess there's just a demand for it uh because i don't think a lot of women wake up at you know 35 and say i think i'll do porn you know, <laughs> some, some do. you know, you have a lot of, especially like the hot wife community and things that they're getting into it kind of on the amateur side and then maybe they'll, they'll transition into this, but um, yeah, it's, it, there's, there's so much work to be had. Luckily that whole stepmom thing is such a big thing. I have no idea why, but I enjoy it. So sure. <laughs> you know, um, 
So there's there's plenty of work. I, I can't see there being a problem with aging out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to me. I'm trying to age as gracefully as possible. And I'm putting in the money and the work in the gym membership and the Botox and the hair extensions. And I mean, all of the, it all just the takes work. Yeah. And money. Um, you know, I mean, you know, um, so that I'm as, as, you know, solid as a product of a product as I can be for these companies. You know, if that's what they think is marketable, then I'll continue doing it. Right. Yeah. I think that's really refreshing to hear. Um, it's, it's really nice because I feel like that's a real a real fear for a lot of people, especially uh, for those who identify as women in the industry too. A lot of people just like feel like, oh my gosh, like ugh, how much time do I have left? I'm saying that in quotations, right? So um, it's really nice to hear about that. Like, nope, it's not, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, le- I left for five years and came yeah. back and it, I'm doing better than ever. Wow. Like I'm, I'm, I'm so happy in it. Uh, and I have so much more confidence this time around too. I'm so much more settled in myself as a person. Um, I remember back then it was hard for me to kind of do dialogue to the camera or I didn't, you know, I was kind of anxious about things. And now I just, I feel like I could like take over the world. I feel great. And that I think just comes with age and mm-hmm. and knowing yourself a little bit better. So it's, I'm in a really good spot for it and everything just kind of happened to align in the way that it works. I love that. I mean, a huge congratulations. I, I'm with all your success. It's, it's been sounding like this has been such a revitalization of like who you are, a celebration of who you are. Um, and, and, and honestly a journey as well, especially like, you know, it's, it's not easy to rebuild a following and um, for yourself. Like, did you have any strategy in terms of like with your comeback or anything like that? Or it's just like, I'm just going to put a couple teasers and clips out there and just like see how it goes. Or were you very like strategic about it? Um, at first, I didn't kind of know what I was doing. I just wanted to see if anyone would care or would subscribe to an OnlyFans, right? And then um, I got an agent and have been really intentional with kind of my branding strategy and also like um, just trying to do as much as possible to put myself out there. Um, so I like I hired a publicist. I am trying to do all the bigger companies. I love the networking aspects of it. Um, I'm very conscious of how I am on set and how I treat people and, you know, just that my enthusiasm shows through. (laughs) Um, So I, that's what I've, that's what I've heard. Um, So with that, I just, I feel like every step that I take and every, um, every post that I do, every it's, it feels very calculated now in, um, in a way that's really fun for me. So it's, you know, it's like you post this thing here, you make sure there's a more explicit version or something better, you know, in yeah. the, the spot where you pay for it on the subscriber side. Um, but then you're also posting things that are enough to get followers that get you more work that directors see that thirst trap this person that, may, you know, all of it is, is, and I just love it. It's so much fun. The whole, the whole game of it is really fun for me. And at the end of it, I get fucked. So like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> <That's love. laughs> mm. <laughs> the best job there is like look at me naked and then at the like and then I get paid to have sex with like professionals <laughs> yes, who have sex for work it's the best <laughs> <laughs> well I, I love one thing that you said there too when you're spiel um about being intentional about things I think that's so important because if you're just gonna kind of like a haphazardly like doing things and stuff too you won't find the same success as you did before and and maybe it's like completely different of 
about like, you know, who you were before, who you were before you're still you, but <laughs> you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think it's a difference too. I mean, you know, as well, um, the difference between when you're in your twenties and things happen to you and you kind of just roll with whatever happens to you or whoever kind of wants to date you or whatever job is offered to you. And then in my thirties, just overall, I've noticed that I'm setting goals. I'm going toward things. I'm saying no to things that I don't want to do. I'm aware of how I portray myself, you know, on social media and all of that. It's everything is more intentional. And I think that's usually a trend I've noticed with people like in their twenties and thirties, like, before it's kind of things happened to me and now I am making things happen toward a, a bigger goal. Yeah, that that's exactly like summed up so well in terms of like, well, one, it's a combination of like your yeah, maturity and also just like having your your um your own experience, lived experience, um, that you can draw on and like wisdom and also just like knowing yourself and it and really sounds like you're really rooted in who you are. And I think that's so important. And, you know, something that, you know, if you're starting out right away at like 18, you might not know who that person is. And and then, and then you're more susceptible to other people guiding that or yes. taking advantage of that. I, I, I don't, I don't get pushed around by anybody, but you know, <laughs> I, I do worry sometimes that if I, you know, if I were younger starting out that I, I wouldn't feel like I had a voice or I wouldn't feel like I would be able to say no. Um, and so that's, that's where I feel kind of protective over, especially these younger girls. Um, totally. Yeah. And, and I, and I think some of it also is, uh, when you're younger and when I was younger, I, even at 25, I didn't see the bigger picture and instant gratification mm-hmm. was more important to me. Right. Um, so I was just more impulsive. And now I can hold off on doing something here because I can see bigger picture. It makes more sense to wait or hold off on that gratification. Right. Totally. Um, one little quick side question as well. Like, are, are you still doing real estate as well? Or are you all done with that? I'm so done. Um, I tried, I tried for a little bit and I just couldn't do one or the other really well. It's like, I could do them both in mediocre or one terribly or one well. So I just, I gave up on that. Um, and then the company that I was, uh, like a partner in, um, it didn't do well after anyway. So like my timing kind of worked out with it luckily. Um, so, I mean, everything, it always turns out okay. I, I, for some reason, that's just the way that I viewed everything is it? It's, it always gets better. Uh, good. Good to hear. I'm glad. <laughs> I mean, looking into the horizon and going into like the later half of 2023 and, 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 and beyond, where do you see yourself? I know you're mentioning yourself more in like the educational space too and wanting to really put out some um, like a good uh, word out for sex workers and also for the adult industry as well. But like curious to hear like your future goals as well. Um, I'm just, I'm excited to do the next thing that I haven't tried yet. I've always been that way. Um, Usually it was with sex acts, but now that I've pretty much done all of those, it's more of (laughs) what companies do I want to work for? What kind of product do I want to be putting out? Um, I'm, I'm leaning into like trying to do a little more cinematic things, maybe more acting roles, things like that. Um, And then also last time I was in the industry, I didn't bring like my music really into it. And, um, and I went to college for vocal performance. And so like, oh, wow. it's, it's important to me now to see if I can kind of put that into it. And so there have been 
gigs and shoots where they're they're incorporating my singing and my music into it. So that's been kind of a goal of mine. If there's anything mainstream that I would want to cross over in, it would be with music because that's my heart. <laughs> you know, that's that's a very, very core part of my identity. Um, so that's a goal for me. Um, the educational space is is really toward more of the general population. So if I can help educate even just in my daily life if people ask me about it and i can show that someone can be multifaceted and you know a, a human outside of the sex object that's really important to me too um i mean i lost my relationship with my mom over doing this work mm. and so every time there's someone who's around my mom's age who i I change their mind a little bit, you know, through social media, through TikTok, wherever. And I've had this happen. It's a little healing for me because I can't, I can't heal that with my mom. So if I can change someone else's mind and maybe if their child or if they decide to get into sex work, they have a different perspective. That's a little softer. Yeah, definitely. And like, if we have a couple minutes to speak about that, like I, I'd mm-hmm. love to kind of go into that. And I'm sorry to hear about um, your relationship with your mom. That's, that's really hard and it. does happen to um, a lot of us as well. But um, if you wanted to open up a little bit in terms of like, how how would you go about if if you were a mom finding out that your daughter or son or whoever is in sex work? How would you how would you go about that conversation? Well, I mean, I think I'm coming from a really biased perspective because <laughs> I do it. Um, but I remember one of the things that my mom said in one of her emails to me was, you know, how would you feel if I did it? Or and so her thoughts on what the industry is are so negative and so um, objectively negative that everyone should feel this way, that of course you would be upset if your mother did this. And I, and I wouldn't because I don't have that view of the industry. I wouldn't be upset if my child did this um, as long as everyone was consenting and they were safe about it. I think it's, I think it's an incredible, an incredible career and an opportunity. Um, it's just about, you know, making sure that you're working with people and companies that have your safety and your consent as top priority. And mm-hmm. everyone I've worked with has, it's just, that's how the industry is now um, because of liability reasons, honestly, you know, um, they're trying to protect themselves too. Um, so it, it wouldn't bother me in the least as long as they were, um, they went about it in like a healthy way when it came to their own view of their own sexuality, right? They're not trying to fill a hole pun intended um right. in there <laughs> you know um in their self-worth by doing it right and that's never been it's never been an escape for me it's never been a void filling for me it's always been adrenaline fun yeah well it definitely sounds like you enjoy this industry and the industry loves you and you love the industry as well it really does show so i applaud you for that i and i guess um we can kind of go into some q a and i have a question but i will save it for the q a as well too since we're at that point it's one end on the nice positive note but um yeah some questions came from fans as usual so i guess we'll kind of roll into that um first question is is there anything sophia hasn't done on camera yet that she wants to do Oh yeah, that that came from someone on Twitter who's always very enthusiastic about all of my tweets, which makes me very happy. So I appreciate the question. Um, when it comes to when it comes to sex acts, I think the only thing that I haven't done that I would love to do. Okay, there's two. Um, <laughs> is uh, this has been such like a like a sweet podcast, and now I'm gonna say a pissing gangbang. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I would love to do that. That would be really fun for me. Um, and then there's also, there were uh, 
there are these porn videos that I masturbate to where it's like the check glory holes mm-hmm. where it's like a girl's picture and it's just her getting fucked in like a like a wall basically so you only see her holes because I love objectification and being used as holes so I would love to do shoots like that I just finally did a glory hole in a cream pie gangbang recently and that was nice. very fantasy fulfillment for me yes. um especially because it was just such like a, a a professional company and I felt treated really well and there was a lot of consent there um so yeah sex acts wise piss and gangbang of course because who doesn't <laughs> want to come pissed off their face uh you know we're all <laughs> just romantics at heart um and then uh <laughs> uh yeah the, like kind of like a a pussy glory hole thing um right and then otherwise on camera I just like I was saying before I would love to do the more like cinematic roles I just want mm-hmm. um to look really pretty <laughs> yeah and also have sex <laughs> you know it's not so much to ask for is it <laughs> There's what? It's not so much to ask for, is it? I don't think so. I don't ask for a lot. Just please facilitate this, everybody else. Anyone <laughs> listening out there? <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm very happy with everything I've been. I've been booked for. I think. Um, yeah, I've just been thrilled to do everything that I'm doing. I don't. I don't do anything I don't want to do. So it's great. Amazing. Um, another question here: What has been your favorite scene to shoot? And that's from Instagram. Mm. Um, I think my favorite, there's so many that I really enjoyed for different reasons. The one that I, that I still hold in my heart and vagina as my favorite is, um, (laughs) I did the site hardcoregangbang.com for kink years and years ago when I was in the industry before, and it was five guys and I requested it to be like a dirty bathroom one. And the concept of the site is that you're fighting it the whole time. <laughs> um, and so I love that kind of adrenaline rush with BDSM and CNC, like consensual non-consent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a female director, um, Madeline, and it was amazing. Like it, the whole thing, the whole day was this huge rush of adrenaline that I felt high for about a week. Wow. Um, and it was yeah, they put like my head in the toilet. It was aggressive. It was wow. fantastic. So that one kind of is up there when it comes to just the experience um, and having just like that full body high. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So amazing. That sounds, that sounds cool. really cool. <laughs> I was like, shit, I'm just trying to like <laughs> picture that. I was like, dang. Yeah. <laughs> This one is, um, do you have any favorite people and other talent that you love to shoot with? Oh God. I just, I, I always hesitate answering these, answering these questions mm-hmm. because I, I can't think of like one person. I don't really have anyone on my no list. I can't think of anybody that I've, that I haven't enjoyed shooting with at least on some level. So I can't pick favorites. I really, <laughs> really can't. Um, I do love it when you can tell, um, the person is really genuinely into it mm-hmm. with you. Like you have that connection, which is really nice. Um, and I've just been so fortunate to experience that so much in my career. I love that. So great. Yeah. We can't pick favorites. It's like people ask I'm sorry. Who's your favorite guest on the show? I'm like, I can't pick. Like, <laughs> right. I know it's, it's me, but you can't say it out loud. <laughs> <laughs> we'll chat after we pause recording. <laughs> <laughs> I was kidding. <laughs> and I guess the yeah. last question here, and this one just popped up for me. Um, what kind of advice would you give um, anyone that is dealing with unsupportive parents um, because of your sex work? 
Um, well, my, my heart just goes out to them. I can't tell you how much therapy I've done to try and try and get over the grief of, you know, knowing that someone, especially a parent's love can be conditional. So I, you know, I just, I really feel for people going through that. Um, what I did and what I would recommend is really leaning on the people who do support you and the people who love you for all of you. And that's where, um, I've found the sex work community to be just the best, the best resource and, and the people who really understand you and who don't judge you for what you do for work and who get it, who are, you know, creating the content, who are on sets, who, who understand that, like, sometimes you're just exhausted and want to be by yourself in sweats. Um, and, uh, and they don't think of you as, as less than, or having less value than anyone else. Um, surround yourself with those people. Mm-hmm. That's important. And yeah, I just wanted to kind of like bring that up because yeah, there's unfortunately a lot of people um, out there that also re- just write in you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to be disowned because my parents just found out that I do sex work. And that is something I keep hearing over and over again, which just totally breaks my heart. It's really hard and challenging to be in that position. So thank you so much for 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 being open to even chat about that Sophia thank you so much and and thank you for everything on the show about like this whole conversation about like you know leaving the industry coming back the struggles that you've had with like your your own identity and just getting back to you it's really inspiring and empowering so um thank you so much for sharing your story but before I let you go where can we all find you (laughs) well I appreciate it thank you so much for having me and I I love talking about it and hopefully you know it it affects some people or you know it can reach someone that it will that it will help um you can so when I left the industry I lost all of my really good just everything just saying Sophia Locke so everything has underscores what I would do is just google Sophia Locke and then you'll find my Twitter my TikTok uh, my OnlyFans my OnlyFans is the Sophia Locke um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's the best way to find all of my content. Um, I have a link tree on my Twitter bio that I've put every single pro scene that I've done since coming back in the industry. So you can find it all in one place if you're looking to, to jerk off. <laughs> and all of those links are in the show notes below if you haven't already clicked, um, already during the episode, but for everyone else listening at home, um, it is stripped by Sia on Twitter, on Instagram, um, you can find me in all major podcast platforms and uh, I'm available on Spotify. You can go ahead and follow there. Uh, Apple, uh, again, subscribe and write a review if you find this content uh, interesting or if you find it useful. Rate five stars because that's how other people can find the show in terms of like searchability and accessibility. So please do that. I would like that. And again, if you want to support the show financially, it is stripped by, uh, sorry, patreon.com slash stripped by Sia. And yeah, feel free to reach out, contact us. We have all the things. It's all going to be up on there and it's new episodes every single Sunday and we'll catch everyone in for another episode next Sunday. Thanks, Sophia. This is such a great conversation today. Thank you. Thank you so much. listening to Stripped by Sia, hosted, produced, and edited by Steph Sia, music by Ted D, graphic design by Maria Bellandorama, and photography by Ian Davern.